from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, says this. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, as uh, Kelly said earlier, um, please keep in prayers um, those who have been affected by uh, Hurricane Harvey, Irma, Jose, and then there's another one. Anybody remember Katia? Um, these hurricanes are coming. It's, sometimes you look at things on the news and you're like, look at them. But the real people, real situations um, going on. So please um, be prayerful. I know it's in the minds of charlatines because there is no bread or water left at any stores here in Charlotte. Um, but anyway, um, just just please uh, be. I, I was caught up in a frenzy too, y'all. I went, Amari and I, we were in the office. I'm like, we better get some water now. I don't, y'all. Um, Yes, but uh, just, just please, please, please be prayerful for those in Florida um, as the storm apparently gained more strength and is headed right there. Um, I think they said it'll make landfall. Has it made landfall? It has. Okay, so be prayerful. Um, I, the song said, amidst, uh, amidst the flood, right? Um, God is our mighty fortress. Our prayer is that uh, there won't be a lot of damage, that lives can be restored. And um, maybe people will come and find not only their homes as a fortress, but Christ as a fortress after this. So um, please um, be prayerful about that. Um, I praise God for our children and move up Sunday. And I just want to reemphasize what, what Pastor Amari said. Um, we, don't, we don't play with children around here, okay? And what I mean by that, that sounds so bad. <laughs> I sound like my parents. We ain't playing with you, boy. Um, yes, we have a lot of play going on. What I'm saying is exactly what he said. There are second-class citizens um, in the kingdom, and we will not treat them like that 
at Christ Central. Um, we take real interest in their growth spiritually. And um, so I'm excited by the teachers and the curriculum and all that's gone into it. And um, I am also excited as I look at this room. You're sitting in here right now, but some of you will be in children's church during this time. Praise God for you. Look at all these teachers. Hallelujah. Um, so, um, all right, that's enough, Pastor Brown. Let's get to the word. Today, we begin a new series in the Gospels. The Gospels, uh, I'm, I think I'm coming from all of them at some point, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, entitled God's Reasons Why the people who Jesus lives and died for. And for those of you who are familiar with a lot of TV and Netflix, I took the initial idea from a popular Netflix series entitled 13 Reasons Why, and I had originally 13 people I was going to look at, but now it's too corny and too close to the to original. But 13 Reasons Why um, has, has been very controversial, to say the least, as it chronicles 13 broken interactions a teenager has with people that ultimately played a part in her suicide. Those who were complicit or mistreated her were the 13 reasons why. And it just made me think, if people's sins and brokenness, I think this is true and serious, can weigh heavily and affect us strongly enough to make us not want to live anymore, what would have been God's reasons to send his son to the earth? Sending him Right, right in the middle of it, to be twisted and sad and messed up in a world of people to be affected and bullied by their issues. And then to turn around and die because of it. What, what's going on? My beard getting in the way? My shirt's getting in the way. Talk, I was hoping it was my beard. But um, <laughs> just a, still a clean-shaven boy. Okay. But we, like the Netflix series, will survey some of the stories and people in the gospel that Jesus came across, that he died for, whose sins weighed upon him just like ours do. That'll help us see, ultimately, God's reasons why for people in situations very much like yours and mine. So to start off and set the stage for our series, I thought it would be helpful to, to see how Jesus has linked himself to us and became the person who would be bullied and burdened by a whole world of reasons why. This passage that we see here in Luke 4 is Jesus being tempted by the devil, by Satan, the world's spiritual bully and enemy. And in his temptation, understand that Jesus is saying um, um, and signing up and saying, I am joining up with the human race, with Adam and Eve in them, right? For us, for you and me, just like Adam and Eve, the original parents were tempted by the devil, Jesus came to be in this passage and showing us that he came to be the new representative for sin-broken and Satan-bothered descendants of Adam and Eve. After this temptation, and he successfully goes through it, the Bible tells us that he went out from this temptation and began to uh, preach and teach and was glorified by people and did the work of the kingdom. This is a rite of passage of sorts we see here. And in this passage, it declares that he has come to feel and know all that tempts and break all of us, uh, that sorry. Shaka Khan and Whitney, right? That he came to be every woman, right? 
and to be for every woman, every man, every child, every person that could ever be in this world of sin and Satan. So what reasons do we see here for God to send his son to be tempted like he was? First, in this passage, because of the way Satan and sin lies to us. And secondly, because of our need for the son of God in our lives. Because of the way Satan and sin lies to us. And secondly, because of our need for the son of God. We see that the devil, Satan, the invisible spiritual enemy of humankind and the Lord, the, the same evil being who fed lies to Adam and Eve in the garden, comes to tempt Jesus. Or, or Jesus went out to be tempted, the Bible says, by throwing out lies about who he, Jesus, was. Look how he starts his temptation. He starts by saying in verse 3, if you are the Son of God. In other words, he's, he's telling Jesus, if you didn't know or didn't realize, this is who and how the Son of God really should be. And so Satan questions and challenges and tempts Jesus with a false sense of who he is with, verse, with, with three temptations. Look at verse 3 with me. He says, the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. And then look down at verse 5. And he took him... Um, Wait, I jumped one. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And then look down at verse 9. And he took Jesus to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here for it is written, like this is a good Bible verse, Jesus. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. How do we make sense of these temptations? Well, again, look, when he starts out tempting him, first of all, he's saying, let me tell you something, bro. The Son of God doesn't stay hungry for no one, right? And then Satan goes on, Jesus, you're the Son of God, the King come to earth. You shouldn't be in the desert and wilderness and discomfort in life. This ain't no way for a king to live all hot and sweaty and alone and poor and regular. Let me just give you a quick bump, a hit, a peep show at how you should really be living that goes with who and how you really should be. Being the son of God means chasing the ancient Middle Eastern dream, secure and in charge. All you have to do is bow down to me. Just a quick, little, a quick bow, right? <laughs> Makes this... And then what you also can do is, as a son of God, right? God, that he, as a second person of the Trinity, he says, let's get religious with it. You, you, you can jump down. Oh, and he, so, so, excuse me. You can jump down from here. So he takes him to the temple, the Bible says, right? All close to God. All holy. And God will have to answer your prayers your way whenever you want. You reach up. You've seen these things on, on people's magnets. You reach up as high as you can. And trust me, God has to reach down for you, right? 
Make this God loves you thing work for you. Be in command. Be competent. Be in control enough so you don't have to worry about what God might or might not do. Because Jesus, as a son of God, you have the right to know it all. What are the lies? The devil tells Jesus about himself in these temptations and then in turn tells you and me about ourselves and how we should and accept and understand ourselves in this world. Maybe like he did with Jesus in telling him to turn stone into bread, that guess what? We believe the lie that our hunger and our desire is most important. And that must be met at all costs, that in telling him to throw himself down for the temple and making God catch him, and then before that to try to be the ruler of worldly kingdoms, that, that we have believed and believed a lie. Hear this now, because this goes against a lot of what you may hear, even from the pulpit of a church. This lie that our sense of determination and drive and decisions and dreams and the ability to control and drive our own destiny is the most important thing and most powerful thing in this world. That you, right, in a lonely, unpredictable, wild and fallen world and your ability to get yourself out of it is truly all you have, that you got to get yours, right? Shoot, man, I'm not going to die on the vine. I ain't going to be lonely tonight or tomorrow. I got needs. I am the most important thing, and my hunger and my needs are more important than anything God could ever say. Or I can take what God has said and twist it to meet my needs and hunger and desire for power and control. The Bible starts us by telling us in verse 1 and 2 that the Spirit of God led Jesus into the desert, that he fasted in a way that the Spirit of God filled him. He was doing God's will and in doing so being who and how God designed and called him to be. That's why he keeps answering with the Word of God. He's saying, this is who God has said I should be. This is who God is saying I should act like. So we must ask ourselves, who told you that your hunger and desire for whatever was most important? And that that hunger and desire could be self-trusted, be met, to be met the way you have chosen to meet it? If you have a feeling it must be right, and you have the right to fulfill it the way you want, that's what being human is about. Who told you that? Who told you that you and I have the right to handle our loneliness and desperate feelings and desires as we see fit? Somehow we've told ourselves that is what being a human was all about, being you and doing you, right? Who, who, let, let me raise it up. Sin and Satan has deceived and lied in making you believe that your dreams, just go and get the book off Amazon, right, on how to fulfill your dreams and how to keep your cheese, whatever's in right now. That somehow, now, now here's how you, you hear sermons preach and the Word of God preach. Because let me tell you, when you read the Word of God and you begin teaching it, it's irritating. It's like an awkward thing. You got your thing going and God says, you sure not leave on, live on bread alone. Come on, I like bread. <laughs> Whole wheat, right? Multi-grain, but I like it. You go get a slice of pizza, God comes up, man shall not live on a slice alone. What? What does he mean? I'm hungry. But sometimes you will hear, right? 
that, 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 that he's deceived and Satan has, has deceived and lied and making you believe that your dreams are the same thing all the time as the Lord's call on your life. You ain't checked with nobody. You ain't prayed. You ain't looked at the Word of God. You just feel good about your dreams like Satan did with Jesus, right? You just saw a glimpse of something. You, you, oh, oh, wow, I want that. Sometimes I'm driving in my Honda minivan and I see a nice Bentley go by. I'm like, that's what the pastor should be driving? All I need is a glimpse. I can have a license plate that says, too blessed, right? Or Bishop One or something. I can wear the gold cross and put it in my pocket. That's my culture, y'all. But somehow we believe that our dreams, our vision that the world has handed you, the world has handed you a vision of the American dream, of what it means to be successful. Maybe it came through your parents. I'm not trying to say your parents are Satan or the devil, but maybe it wasn't the truth. That you must be driven, that you must take control of your life. And the people who do that are the people who are the most successful and get a handle on God. And somehow, if you can just get a handle on God's power, now hear this, and formula for success and morality. Do you know there's like books written in, and they're actually in the Christian section about how to get God's destiny and power. And, you know, these books are the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven steps, sometimes eight, on, on how to get ahead in the Christian section. Right? Well, the Lord must be the authority. Somehow, they, you know, they've written this book where, here, if you get this and you get this formula, you can have God in a bottle, right? You can jump off anywhere you jump, and God, he's got to catch you because you've got him figured out, right? That ain't Christianity, y'all. I'm sorry. Being all righteous and holy and perfect in your faith and somehow that will put God on your side and, or out of your way or on your team. Someone told you that those were the ways to, be, to, to deal with your hunger and find worth and beat fear. And according to this passage, what's hard? <laughs> Look, I'm with y'all, all right? I'm not up here being the righteous one, okay? Hopefully, okay? Because I don't want to miss Christianity either. I need Jesus, right? So hear this, according to this passage, what's hard and what makes us an easy target for Satan and sins bullying, it, it, remember now, the Bible says he's been in the desert for 40 days, the wilderness, all right? He'd been in the roughest place you could be, I mean, forget the inner city, he in the roughest place in the middle, in, in ancient Middle East that you could have been in that day. There's wild animals, there's crooks, there's robbers, you get mugged out there, you get lost out there, ain't no roads, ain't no Google Maps, nothing. 40 days just wandering, walking around. What you doing out here, Jesus? I don't know. The Spirit took me out here. I'm just walking around. And he's hungry. You didn't eat for 40 days? Now, we, we look at the text, and I want to just give you heads up as I was studying this and reading this. 40 days is extreme. The Bible says he was filled with the Spirit. God gave him some power to do it. Okay? But here is the point. Let me, let me get to it. And what makes us an easy target is that the devil speaks to the most sensitive, most crucial, most visceral, right? 
like, like the taste, fearful and sin-damaged parts of our human receptors, right in the hardest, right? Right up in, you know, that spot of emptiness and desperation and fear. And at the same time, highlights the most successful and acceptable things about you that you can live on in your own strength. And lies to you about who you are in that wilderness and hunger. That's difficult. Because what the scripture is saying is we all live in a wilderness and we're all hungry in some way. We all want to get ahead. I, I'm, I'm hungry all the time for something, y'all. I'm, I'm a sensationalist kind of person, right? I'm looking for that one movie to scare me real bad. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm willing to take risks to do really stupid things. I don't want one slice. I want the whole pie. And then I got to go to the doctor, end up in the hospital like I did a couple years ago. I thought something else was wrong. I thought I was going to die. And the lady was like, what did you eat yesterday? Well, Bojangles had a two for $3 ham and country ham and egg biscuit. And what did I do? I ate both. I didn't get one and save one. I ate both. And then when I got the press tree meeting, they had, uh, what? They had a barbecue and fried chicken and all this stuff. I didn't get just one meat. I got both because I'm hungry. <laughs> it's easy. We've all done it. But, but the devil's lies and deception about who and how we are, I need to move on, are as human beings is only second to his lies about who the Lord is. Look at the narrative behind the temptation of Jesus. If, if you know about the temptation of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? It should sound familiar. Because just like then, Satan is attempting to make God look like he is the one holding back something. That he is a, the, the person who's abandoned what they really need, really want, really should be. That somehow it is the God of the Bible who has spoken in the Bible who is silent when we need him the most. Look at how this works out. Jesus has gone into the wilderness and fasted for the Lord. The Bible says, filled with the Spirit, in verses 1 and 2, right? That, that is good and all. But, but look who appears on the surface to speak to Jesus, immediate and pressing needs. Those needs, again, that are right up in here, you know, right under your rib cage. you know, that, that feeling. Now, I heard one pastor call it the base note of your existence. You just, it hits and you're like, dog, I, I still feel that. That kind of needs some help right now issue. The devil does this. And look who doesn't. The Lord. The devil's like, you hungry, man? What you need is bread. It's simple. Jesus is simple. You're the son of God. Just turn. What, what God got you into? And then Satan shows Jesus what he, Jesus, hear, hear me now, deserves for being such an obedient son of God. All of the kingdoms, and he want to give them to Jesus for worshiping him. What does God give you for worshiping, obeying, and being led by him? An empty stomach and a wilderness and some unseen spirit. But guess what, Jesus, Satan is trying to say, God does not give out entitlements, right? He might be with us, but he ain't really with, it, with you, right? For, for us, he, he doesn't see your needs and dreams and doesn't care. Here I come. I know what you want. You've been in the wilderness. You've been struggling. How, how many times have we said this? I've been struggling all my life. I'm hungry. I want to eat too. I'm tired of watching other people eat. 
I like to eat, right? Going by the fancy restaurants, looking at, oh, my Lord, the Capitol Grill. Man, that Delmonico steak look right. <laughs> but you got to wait for Hustle Man to bring your steak to the door. Come on, you got tired of that. <laughs> yeah, we used to have a meat man. He would get your order first. Then he'd go to food line and get it for you. Okay, y'all don't get it. Okay. Some of y'all didn't have Hustle Man meat service. Okay. Same as a tree service. What you need? I got some trees. Where they at? Just tell me when you want them. Then I'll go get them and I'll bring them to you. Right? Okay, moving on. God doesn't respect your hard work, Jesus. And the devil takes Jesus up on the highest temple and says, throw yourself. He didn't take him to an evil place, y'all. He took him to the temple. Again, like I said, all close to God. And what is the point here? Look around. Does God really have you? You know, a God who doesn't give you what you want, that red button control over everything, who doesn't give you what you want on demand, who does not deliver prime or same day or two day at your request is not a God that can truly be trusted and certainly one that does not really trust you and love you. Come on, this is what we all struggle with in Christianity. Lord, right now I need it. And the now goes by. Dog, where is God? Lord, I need this thing prime, right? Two days at least, Lord. I'm looking at my mailbox. Where you at, God? Nothing. Sometimes it be like that. Or he sends you something like, man, this ain't what I ordered. <laughs> Mr. Brown, you qualify for the Honda Odyssey. That ain't what I asked for. What I wanted was red and had two seats in it, right? And only a few people in the world have it. That's what I wanted. And I don't have to go on and on about and through this. This is what the commercial lies. Hear me now. You know, and we should show them a glimpse. This is what you get in the world. You get glimpses. You get commercials. You get, you know, I'm looking at a, a sports website and up pops. You ever seen the ads that go up like that real slow? I hate that. My eyes just looking at it. Ah! Then I get mad that I followed it. I'm doing my finger trying to knock it out the way. It don't go no quicker. Right? But this is what the commercialized, well-broadcast, well-produced, very pundit-heavy, broadband sat satanic lies picked up by our affected and damaged by sin, distressed antennas. We pick it up in HD, a broadcast from Satan through the well-networked world we live in. This ain't no conspiracy theory. This is the Bible. <laughs> and I don't know about you. Actually, I'm pretty sure I know about you. That's just what you say when you're trying to be humble and polite. But I know I fall into every single one of those lies about God that has led me to do exactly what the devil wants. Stop listening to God just for a little bit like Adam and Eve and fall down to him and give in to sin. And on top of that, get this, baptize my rebellion as something religious. Right? Oh, oh here's, here's the word you use now. It's spiritual. Right? So somewhere between yoga and worship. Right? Like so somewhere in that realm. I'm not against yoga. I'm just saying. I need to do some yoga. Y'all can't tell I need to relax and stare at something for a while? My doctor says I should do yoga. Okay? That doctor you lay on the, on the couch with? Yeah, that doctor. Said, Pastor Brown, you should do yoga. I'm like, no, man, I'd rather listen to some 
heavy metal music and lift weights. <laughs> Ain't done that either. See? Listen to some heavy metal music, some Metallica and other stuff, but I ain't done no lift, weight lifting, right? Okay, I shouldn't talk about Metallica in a sermon. Or Iron Maiden or any of those groups. Black Sabbath, ooh, I can't say that. I can't say Black Sabbath on the Sabbath. We're not going there. That's for the people who are evil. Okay, so moving on. But somehow we make religious side streets, religious side streets of your decision because God wasn't listening or irrelevant or missing your felt needs or the Lord doesn't seem to get what is, it is to be lonely like you are. He doesn't see and care that, you know what, I'm way too old to be at this place in my life or I'm too young to have this many health issues or, or I've put too much into marriage to still be going over the same argument again if she would just change. 20 years, come on, change. <laughs> Can't you tell who's the one who listens in this relationship? Sometimes you feel like God is holding back on that stuff, right? And that's why I'm struggling. And that he must, like us, be manipulated or convinced to be the God that provides. Yet we didn't give him the name, the God that provides. He gave us that name. And yet we say, you don't provide. Or you don't know the rules of engagement to get what he wants. So you come to church, hoping I'll give you the formula. And guess what you find out? The word of God speaks and Pastor Brown in the same boat as you, needing Jesus. For he doesn't care what I do. That I followed him and I'm in the wilderness. He got tired of me. He abandoned me to suffer. And he seems to reward everybody else except his people. Some of us are in relationships and work and debt and distress and danger right now because we believe lies. I'm not trying to say the thing you're in right now, right? May not be the wilderness. I don't know. But some of us have put ourselves in some real situations where we are jumping off the temple, trying to tell God what to do, and we're headed for a crash. God will pick you up, but you're headed for a crash. Let me make it more difficult, though. Let me make it more difficult, though. Some of you are happy. Happiness is not the goal of the kingdom. Oh, man, I don't want to have to preach that. Doing what you like, when you like, checking off the Sunday Jesus and God in the spiritual box, keep me balanced, spiritual box, getting paid like the song says, and this old world is a new world and a bold world for me and for me, and I'm feeling good. Uh, and all the good and gold and 24 carat, right, might be a self-serving, self-preserving, self-deceived, successful, too many S's, sinful, satanic lie about you and your Lord. For many of you right now, you and I have bent the knee, maybe in some particular area of your lives, and things are going so well right now, you don't want to know if it's a lie because you can't handle the truth. Because a lie is dealing with your hunger. And the lie is dealing with your immediate desire for success and gratuity and sexual pleasure and belonging and feeling powerful and breaking free from the pain of some dark past in history. And so whether we're worshiping God or not here or there is, not, is less important than getting by and getting over. I'm with you. I understand how that feels. And all we can just make that God's will. 
So it might be clear to some of you right now, why did Jesus live and die? Because he's the son of God. Came to be the son of man and the son of God. We don't need to rehash how Jesus was the son of man here, but the, this passage is meant to parallel where we all went wrong when our original parents, Adam and Eve, were tempted in the garden with everything good around them even. Get this. Unlike Jesus, they weren't even in the wilderness. They probably weren't even hungry, but tempted nevertheless with all the food they could ever want around them in paradise. But still yet, they were tempted by a hunger and desire that made the whole world fall. And this passage wants us to recognize that Jesus came to be our son of man, the second Adam, to be our representative for the second and final time, which meant he came to take the test that Adam and Eve took he put himself in our world to take it and pass it. He became like every single one of us. Hungry. Lacking power. Unsure at times about God's will in this or that. You know, evangelical Christians, I'm putting myself in that category. Bible-believing Christians, I don't know what the right, right politically right word to use is. We are so interesting. We need an answer for every little thing. Now, don't get me wrong. It's important to pray. But, Lord, I, I need to know whether to get an espresso with decaf or calf. Lord, please. It's, it's just so interesting. And we want to find, like, the, the control mechanisms for every single decision in our lives. It just shows how controlling we want to be. Sometimes you pray afterwards. That don't sound right. But you know, man, I should, I should have gotten a decaf today. Help me, Lord. Maybe God wants you to pray. Hello. Okay. But he's been where all of us have been and can be at the bottom and top of our game. Hungry and able to dream to envision success and security and able to long to be in control on top of his religion and faith and family and world and power. He was where every one of you could be in your hunger and desire. And unlike Adam and Eve, he experienced this for us in a world that was not paradise. He was in a hungering, thirsty wilderness of a sometimes silent-sounding God. But this is not all, because think about it. In the garden and, and all, Adam and Eve were not hungered and tempted by the world around them. I've already said that. But the hunger inside of them. Let me tell you something about your Lord. Jesus felt our hunger and temptation we have on the inside, y'all. These temptations weren't just about bread. This was about entitlement to get the bread you wanted to get, right? This was more than hunger that Satan and sin can speak to and communicate to and hook into and get all under and in us. His soul was tempted. His mind was tempted. And in each case, Jesus did not eat when he wanted, and he didn't get what he could have and should have deserved and could have earned and worked hard in the corporate world to get. And he didn't get to have prosperity gospel, even Jesus, right? Name it and claim it when he wanted to. He always goes around, and we'll see it in the gospels, saying, if it's the Father's will, what you, Jesus? When I go home to my dad's house, I don't go, Dad, can I have this? I go and just get it. That sounds so bad. But then he has to ask, every time we go through the car, what does he do? Let me look at the car and see what y'all stole, right? <laughs> Trying to put giant paintings in the car. 
Dad, you didn't want this one. It was kind of to the side. That meant you weren't caring for it, right? Anyway. He subjected himself to our world. He felt all of our reasons why we would bow to Satan and give in to sin and be self-centered and feel like God had abandoned us. This is, this, there is no, not one desired disappointment that would draw you out to sin and bow a knee to the world of Satan and sin and self-destruction that Jesus did not come as a son of man and experience. And in this series, right, we're going to see in Jesus someone who's acquainted with our grief for real. And why is that good news? Like what we see here in this passage, and the Bible tells us in other places, he was tempted just like any of us by the devil, by the flesh, by his human desperation, but he did not sin. Because he was sent and came to live and die, not just to understand or to commiserate. Oh, hey, I understand, y'all. I can do that. I love commiserating. Or help us curse God or do good enough to be accepted by God or have enough power and competency to control our religion, to just be our teacher and example and our God, but to free us to enjoy God and hear his truth and form authentic relationships and then face the world with renewed dignity that comes from Jesus alone. He came to be the son of God. You know why Jesus didn't turn a stone into bread? He could have. He was God in the flesh, the Son of God. Satan was right. He could have gotten all of the kingdoms of the world. In fact, he could have kicked Satan's behind right then, taken all the kingdoms and sent them to hell right there. He could have jumped off the temple roof and flown off that bad boy like Superman or Iron Man, right? Or crashed down and landed on his feet like the Hulk and broke the concrete. Because he's part of the Trinitarian Avengers, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Sorry, I took that a little too far. Because all of those tempting actions, and as God, he could have actually, get this, Jesus could have actually justified doing everything he wanted to do, and the Scripture would have been there to teach something else. Jesus turned stone into bread. Wow, what's the lesson here? Jesus has power to turn stone into bread. Because he's God. If he did it, it would have been right. Why? It would have only fed him. It would have only served him. When it talks about him being glorified, it would have only been glorifying him for his purposes and put him in authority. And he didn't come to prove or get something for himself. But his reasons became God's reasons why. He was hungry without worldly power and being led around in blind faith by God instead of being in charge and in control. He was sent as the son of man to save you and me to get back all that Adam and even them and us have relinquished in sin and the devil has stolen or plagiarized or lied about. He came to get back our identity and our image and our worth and our work and our markets and our governments and bring justice to our societies and our rulers and to feed us and comfort us in our pain and desperation and even open our eyes and ears and mouths and hearts to see and hear God, to most importantly worship God. God and worship him in spirit and in truth to get that opportunity. The Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. That means he was filled with the will of God, keeping him alive and driving him. Jesus says to Satan in these temptations, I live by the word of God. I only worship God. 
I can't bow to you. No, I will not put myself above the Father's will for me. You know why? God's reason for sending Jesus was to save you and me and keep us and rescue us from the devil and sin in the world. I'm so glad he didn't put us in this test. Well, he did. We all failed. (laughs) He went hungry so you could really eat. He didn't get his kingdom so that you could be in the kingdom. He didn't throw himself down and fly up like Iron Man so that one day when he returns, Scripture says we'll meet him in the air. Jesus refused to get lost and give it all up because his deepest desire, his deepest hunger, his highest calling, the kingdom he wanted was you and me. To find, save, reach, heal, rescue, and love you. Why? For what reason did God send Jesus to be tempted? For Adam and Eve and them, and now you and me. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We are tempted by this world a lot. We thank you that you didn't fall into it. We thank you. We don't have to manipulate you because you're a loving father. As we go through this series, help us follow Christ in the ways he's cared for us as the descendants of Adam and Eve we are trapped but we thank you that you've come not looked after your own needs not come entitled not coming even manipulating your father help us commit our hearts to this series we begin to look at God's reasons why Jesus came to live and die. This we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.